Welcome to Mutual Aid, a podcast produced by the South Carolina Sheriff's Association to help sheriffs better serve and protect South Carolina citizens. I am Jared Bruder, Executive Director of the South Carolina Sheriff's Association, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Before we dive into the discussion today, I want to take a minute to thank and recognize our sponsor for today's episode, United Badges Insurance Services. Alan Durham is the president and CEO with United Badges Insurance Services, and he has been a great friend to the Sheriff's of South Carolina for several years now. He and his staff do a wonderful job offering specific insurance services to first responders. Give them a call and let them give you a quote on all of your insurance needs. The number is 1-800-566-5990. Again, many thanks to Alan and the folks at United Badges Insurance Services for their support. Hello and welcome back to Mutual Aid. In our first episode, we talked about cultural diversity, both in how we police and how we lead our agencies. Today, we're going to talk about another interesting topic, one that can be extremely troubling uh, and extremely rewarding. So, uh, that is the Internet Crimes Against Children. I'm honored to have Kevin Atkins here with us today. Kevin is the Chief Criminal Investigator and the Commander of the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, which is housed in the South Carolina Attorney General's Office. Uh, Kevin, tell us a little bit about you, and welcome for thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Jerry, for having me, and thank you to all the uh, sheriffs around the state who are listening to this. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I kind of go into my background, born and raised in Barwell County. Um, a 1995 graduate of Blackwell Hill High School, uh, went on to USC Aiken, got an associate degree in criminal justice uh, in 1997, uh, then went on to Carolina and Columbia and graduated in 99 with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I got my first job in the summer of 99 with the Newberry Police Department. Um, yeah. Chief Swindler <laughs> gave my first job, um, so I owe him a lot. And a lot uh, of Jackie Swindler stories. I do. I have a lot of them. He, he's not afraid to tell them all, so I don't probably have any that y'all haven't already heard two or three times. But, um, I, you know, I'm still to this day thankful. I usually don't go too many days or weeks without talking to him still. Um, uh, while I was working in Newberry, working the road as a road patrol officer, I uh, went back to Carolina and got my master's degree in criminal justice um, while there. Um, I started getting not bored, but didn't know if law enforcement was going to be for, for me as mm-hmm. I was starting a family and having my second child. So I thought, well, I'll go somewhere big. Um, if I don't like it at a big agency, I'll go. I'll do, go sell insurance or do something right. else. Okay. Um, so I went to the Lexington County Sheriff's Office in 2003, um, worked patrol and as a property crimes investigator in the South region. In 2006, Chief Swindler offered me the opportunity to come back to Newberry uh, in investigations. So I left the Sheriff's Office and went back to Newberry. And um, 2009, he sent me to the FBI National Academy. It was a 236 session in Quantico. Um, so super proud of that. Um, when Chief Swindler uh, left the police department, um, I decided to also make a change um, for various reasons, and I came to the Attorney General's office. Um, and, and that's one of the fascinating things about I go into about ICAC is, uh, you know, when I started in 2014, I'm not good at computers. I'm still not good with computers. Yeah, I remember and, you used to joke and say that you would Netflix me on your Google machine. Yeah, I, I still use that joke. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I need some new ones. But um, yeah, not. I mean, I'm a very average computer user. Um, and that's one of the things we try to preach on ICAC, depending on what your role is. If, if you want to get into digital forensics, you probably want to be good with computers. But to work ICAC cases as an investigator, can you knock on a door? Can you ask a question? Can you sign a search warrant? 
Uh, those are the things we're looking for. And if you're an investigator, you should be able to do those things. If you're not, then you might be in the wrong you know, career path. Right. Um, so yeah, 2014 started NICAC and then 2019, the June of 2019, I took over as the commander of the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force in South Carolina. That sounds super fancy. I didn't come up with commander name. Um, that's what's used all around the nation. There's 61 ICAC task forces um, in the United States, um, but ICAC is a global thing. Um, it's not hard to reach out to people in Thailand or France or whenever you need help. Um, those cases do arise quite mm -hmm. frequently. Um, so we rely on some of our federal partners to help us do those transitions. But yeah, it's been great. It's, it's my biggest honor. Um, I'm proud as a college graduate. Um, proud to attend the FBI Academy, but there's been no greater honor uh, professionally, not counting that being a dad and a husband, right, right. but uh, professionally, nothing. I, I can think of no better way to spend your time and no better, no efforts to to catch these type of people and identify victims right. of these crimes. I mean, you and I have talked a little bit offline and certainly before this podcast, but um, tell me a little bit about uh, why you are so proud to be a part of this and, and really what y'all do. I mean, I, what are some of your success stories? What have you been able to do with this Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force? Sure. Um, just as I mentioned earlier, I'm a dad. I've got my son as a junior, Newberry High School. I have a daughter at Columbia College. Um, so I've been through the Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook stuff phenomenon. And uh, seeing what people are willing to do to kids, um, because when we're talking to new affiliates or people coming on with, we say, hey, we, you've all taken the incident report about a sexual assault. You've maybe even done a, a forensic interview or watched a forensic interview. This is going to be the rare time where you actually see the sexual abuse mm -hmm. of children. Um, that's traumatic. For a lot of people, it's the worst thing you're ever going to see. Um, can you get desensitized to it? Yes, because that's just what you're supposed to do as a police officer to help those that need help. And these people do need our help. Um, but it's challenging. You know, you have to find the right fit. Um, you know, but we have, I mean, there's a documented case we've gone in to rescue children. Yeah. You know, I've joked before and I told her, I think I was actually in this building uh, for one of our meetings and said, I, you know, through my time in law enforcement, just I, I become, as the older I get, the more reclusive I become. I don't, I mean, I, I take the trash off on Sunday and, and go to the gym a couple times a week and I go at 5 30 in the morning so I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> the best thing happened to me was masks. Yeah. Um, I can say I don't know people and pull my hat down. Um, but I've been a part of rescuing a child and and I sat at my desk and cried about it. I, it wasn't even in the house. I just knew I, something I did proactively led to the rescue of a child. Yeah. And I sat at my desk and cried. And I'm a guy who dislikes the majority of people I come into contact <laughs> with, you know, just because you see the worst of everybody and right. to know that, you know, I was just telling you earlier, you know, we, we did a class uh, about, back when Craigslist was hot and heavy. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the guys in my class in Columbia, we hosted a class. He went and rescued a child, just what he learned in the class that day. Really? Out of a hotel, yeah. yeah. Wow. So that was being, it was part of the human trafficking, you know, but yeah. um, there's, so there's opportunities to actually help people, like, you know, and I'm not saying that working a shoplifting cake, you know, that pack of bologna was important to food line. Right. And so I'm not, I'm not devaluing what other officers are doing. I just know that we have a direct impact on identifying children who are victims, um, rescuing kids and identifying people who seek to do our do children harm because right. um, there's there's people that will do terrible things to children yeah. and uh, you know a lot of times in my younger career I say man why does such I wonder why such and such acts like that or acted out in this manner now I'm probably getting a better understanding of why people are the way they are yeah yeah well and that's I mean um, you, you brought up the property crime stuff there and and that's certainly important and I think you know uh, 
the further we go into the future, the more we start to see crime happening in different venues. So, you know, sheriff's offices may be used to, uh, you know, if they if they get a uh, sexual assault report against a child, they're they're used to that coming in through the door, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe from a teacher or somebody at school or something like that. But they're not necessarily used to getting that everywhere uh, over the internet. So, uh, but y'all do get a lot of tips over the internet uh, that of, of crimes happening in various counties. Don't you, can you tell me a little bit about the numbers that y'all have? Sure, sure. Yeah, we, we, we tell people that you know, you'll lock the door at your house, but you'll leave the internet open. Mm, and, yeah. and, and that's how, you know, bad guys want the path of least resistance. You know, it's, it's a lot of work to uh, do surveillance and then hide in the bushes with face paint on and jump out and grab kids, but you don't have to do that kind of work anymore. You don't have to wait at the bus stop. Uh, just get online, pull out your phone. And do that. Happening um, all the time. Sure. So we do get some tips from parents. A lot of our, the bulk of our work comes from NICMIC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, you know, electronic service provider like Google or Facebook or Twitter, you're mandated by law if you detect this criminal activity to report it to NICMIC. So those companies report the information to NICMIC. NICMIC takes it and tries to do as much as they can to reverse engineer it. Um, based off IP addresses, uh, screen names, email addresses, cell phone numbers that are attached to the account, whatever they have. Each case is different. Um, but if they can resolve it back to South Carolina, they give us a rough geolocation. If it's in South Carolina and they think the crime occurred here, or maybe we have a victim or suspect um, is it in a two-party case, they'll kick it to us, and it's up to us to try to do as much work on it as we can, and then we get it out to our affiliates if we have somebody we can get the case assigned to. Gotcha. Um, a lot of times we do not. And then there's four of us that are criminal investigators at the AG's office. And then we'll try to work the case ourselves. Um, but that, that's the bulk of what our cases come from. You know, I can tell you uh, in 2018, we had about 2,400 cyber tips. If we count what's been kicked to us from other states, it's, it's well over 4,000. So you're seeing this huge growth year by year by year. Yeah. Um, but what we're getting and it, it's, it's almost unmanageable. Um, you know, I talked to other ICAT commanders around the country. Everybody's drowning in cyber tips. And so people are having to triage what they're willing to work and how far they're willing to go and that, what investigations they can focus on. Yeah. Um, and we haven't got to that point yet, but we're certainly headed that way. And, and COVID has done nothing, to, right. done nothing but exacerbate the situation, especially yeah. with kids being home. Um, some schools are using a program called Gaggle mm-hmm. um, to monitor the Internet activity and computer usage of the students. And those cyber tips are just exploding. Yeah, um, it, it, it's out of control. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. With uh, we, we've seen and heard from the governor and others that uh, child abuse uh, reports are down, but that doesn't mean that they're not happening. And I'm sure that there, uh, as connectivity uh, moves into more rural areas of the state, there's probably going to be a, a larger push for this in some of the more rural areas uh, and, and doing those types of things. But you just said you have four full-time investigators uh, working with you at the ICAC uh, team. But y'all, y'all kind of multiply your numbers by having this task force and having representation throughout the state. Now, you got you got a representative in all forty six sheriff's offices. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, so you got you got somebody that's participating there, but some uh, obviously are more uh, involved and and interested in this than others. Um, give me your give me your quick push. Why should everybody be interested in this, and why should everybody be working these cases? I mean, it's something that impacts all of us. I'm sure a lot, even if you're not a parent yourself, you've got a niece, a nephew, a cousin, um, you're around children. And you know that, especially with these COVID times and children being more isolated, the, the victims are more primed for the picking. 
and they're more vulnerable than ever. And the biggest part that some people don't understand is when I talk to chiefs and sheriffs about the problem and get people on board with us and getting us in the field, it, it's usually I hear we're real busy. I don't have enough people. We're short. I've yet to come in contact with any law enforcement agency in the state that said we've got so many people we don't know what to do. We're sitting around, with our, you know, sitting around on our hands looking for looking for something to do. Um, the problem is these are still crimes that are occurring in your jurisdiction. Right. Uh, just because you don't want to put somebody on the task force right now as an affiliate doesn't mean that the crimes aren't occurring. I've heard some some agencies have said, well, you're giving us backdoor cases. We're focused on front door cases. It's important if a dad walks into a sheriff's office and says, hey, I looked at my daughter's phone. She's 12. And there's a 40 something year old man who sent her pictures of his penis and asked her to have sex with him to sneak out of her house. Right. That's going to get some attention at the sheriff's office. Should, yeah. But it's not any different when Facebook algorithm catches a 12 year old girl living in your jurisdiction doing the, ex doing the exact same set of circumstances that's deemed not as important i've joked said and i hope i don't finish sheriffs so i said well twitter don't vote facebook mm -hmm. doesn't vote yeah. you know, yahoo doesn't vote they're still just as important cases these guys are hiding in the shadows and, and these are ways to identify them some of the criticism of us is well, y'all give us too much work to do i don't control how much work comes in all i can do is direct it out I, and, and if we can work the cases we'll work them ourselves but you know, we can't control the crimes or, you know, you can't as a chief or a sheriff say, we're not focusing on burg We're not doing burglaries this month because right. we're busy. Right. But for some reason, when it comes to the ICAT cases, we get called and say, Hey, leave us alone for, give us 90 days off. Hmm. That you, you know, <laughs> can't I, really do that. would you, but would you put that in the email that was for you? <laughs> you know, that, that would be my thing. Would would you go in at a press conference and say, we've asked, we're not working child pornography right. cases for the month of July. You can't do that. And, and that's my push is I know everybody's busy. We're, we're trying to help as much as we can, but you know, we're trying to do some uh, educational stuff and I can go into some of the other things our office does, but we're doing, we're, we're doing a search one a week ourselves hmm. and we're happy to do more. Sometimes we do too. I did two back to back in Kershaw County the other week. We're, we're happy to do it. Our problem sometimes is the drive. Right. It'd be easy for me to put 20 hours of driving into a case in Anderson County. You know? hmm. Um, Got one officer that, that'd be a three-hour commute one way for him. You know, he's got six hours tied up and just driving alone to do the search warrant. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. It's not woe is me. We're happy to do it. I'm, I'm proud to do it. Um, but we do need everybody's help in, in completing this mission. So uh, again, all 46 counties are participating in doing this, but some are more involved than others. Um, tell me, tell me what you need from from a sheriff's office. I mean, you have resources to train them. You have resources to pay them. Um, those types of things, or is it, or does the sheriff's office need to say, I have a full-time person I'm ready to dedicate to this task force? Yes, sir. All 46 counties, you know, we have 119 agencies are on our task force. Some of those are partnerships um, with non-law enforcement entities like the Children's Law Center, but mm -hmm. 119 agencies, all 46 counties have signed MOU. Um, if I understand you had about maybe a, a dozen new sheriffs, around 14, 14, yeah. 14 new sheriffs. sheriffs school, yeah. If they want MOU with their name on it, they can reach out to me and we can get that done. I can send it over to the AG and have him sign it. But um, all 46 counties are on the task force. Some counties don't need a full time. You know, if you're a rural county that you have a population of 12, 13, 14,000 people, it's nice to have somebody that I can reach out to. So I, I do need a name. Um, some counties like, uh, you know, maybe a Greenville County, they've, invested a lot of resources into it and have six investigators doing ICAT cases. But there are some counties that have somebody in name that could use three or four ICAT people. 
right. you know, just because that's how many crimes are, are, are occurring in their county. Um, and we, we say cyber tips. They're still cyber tips aren't all criminal. It's not all pedophiles. Some of these are juvenile self-producing mm -hmm. and they need to be identified. And then that information needs to be relayed back to Nick because they'd be a victim in the system. Okay. Yeah. They're self-producing. Technically, the juvenile is breaking the law, but we, we're not in the business of trying to prosecute juveniles. Um, right. But we do need to get them identified and get them counseling yeah. if they need it. And early intervention there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you also work with federal partners in this as well, don't you? Yes, sir. Um, very active at Homeland Security Investigations, okay. uh, United States Marshal Service, uh, FBI, uh, United States Secret Service are all great partners with us. And, you know, you asked me earlier about money. And I, I didn't get to that point. So I want to go back to that. But, yeah, yeah you know, we get a lot of federal funding through OJJDP and that money. I try to focus it on training. Uh, there's not been as much training because of COVID. So mm -hmm. we're, we're taking the bull by the horns and we're actually teaching, uh, start teaching our own classes. Okay. Uh, starting next week in Greenville County, we'll do an undercover chat class. Uh, we got a, a limited number of participants because of some COVID protocols. Okay. But, uh, you know, typically if, if I've got to send your investigator through whichever sheriff's office to a class in San Antonio, we're going to do the, the, the flight, uh, the daily per diem on food, uh, parking, uh, renting a car if it's necessary, any tuition costs that are associated. We're taking care of all that. I mean, that's where I want to spend my money. It's just, but I can tell you the turnover rate is so high just in law enforcement in general, but especially with ICAC, um, it's a low return on investment, but that's what the money is there for. Mm -hmm. And so I just did an interview nationally and they talked about, well, how do you send people to classes? Well, we vet. I, I try to be a good steward. It's not my money. I don't treat it like my personal checkbook either. Right. You know, I want to send, get people trained, but also I don't want to send people that aren't getting cases, not doing what they're supposed to do to, to Phoenix for a week. Correct. That, yeah. That's just, that's not a good way to spend money. So we do take it very seriously. If, if national training people call me or email me and say, you've got five slots for this class, who do you want to send? I don't just blast it out and let anybody sign up for it. You know, we handpick the potential attendees and we go down the list. So we try to spend just your tax dollars. I want to spend it as wisely as I can, um, but we want to get your people trained and we handle that. And so I, some of the sheriffs I've met with said, if you, if you'll make the investment in time and manpower, I'll make the investment in you financially. And also we'll come and try to help you work some of your cases up. We don't want to just throw you to the wolves. Right. So we try to, if you have a new affiliate or somebody it changes hands and you bring a new person in, we try to work up some cases for them, maybe come do a search warrant with them, let them get to know the team. And then we can kind of hold their hand and walk them through the next couple of investigations. Unfortunately, you know, the goal would, would have been to, if you were during a search warrant, didn't have access to forensics people to call us and maybe we could send somebody, but we're, we're so far behind. We're 200 something cases in the hole. Well, that's just to be quite honest with you because yeah. we're doing forensics for out of that 119 agencies we're responsible for doing their forensics. Now, some of them like Greenville and Charleston doing, they've got their own forensic labs now, but, um, so, but yeah, we, we do try to help with all that, but going back to some of our federal partners, one of the things I'm, I, I preach on a lot and I brag on them is our partnership with the United States secret service. Yeah, you know, they're about executive protection and counterfeiting, but they have made their mission. They're going to help with these cases. So right. their tactical polygraph is where they made the investment mm -hmm. outside of the electronic crimes task force. And I can't tell you what a huge asset is to have their tactical polygraph guys. So we're doing a, they're coming with us on scene, helping us do the search warrant. We're offering bad guy on the spot. Have you had sexual contact with a minor? You hadn't? Prove it. Take this test. And I don't want to misquote them, but 
we're sky high. We're way above the national average for the people that we're identifying as hands-on offenders. It's way above national average. And, that, and I attribute that to investigators also to the, to the skill of the two polygraph examiners that we have actually, they are, they are phenomenal. Um, I, I, I can't tell you just how, what a asset they've been just recently, uh, did a search warrant with them and the guy before he took the polygraph admitted to sexually abusing his daughter 20 years ago. Mm. He had no incentive to tell anybody about that. It's been a secret for 20 something years. Wow. The skill of that polygraph examiner is what got him to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so That's super proud of our partnership with them. Well, you mentioned something a minute ago that, um, you know, sometimes you may have investigators on the local level that will let cases sit there and pile up. Tell me, uh, I think there may be some horror stories out there about why that's not a good idea. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and why we need to make sure, the sheriffs need to make sure that if somebody's going to be on this task force, that if somebody is actually paying attention to it and, and taking it seriously. Yes, sir. Um, the big case is out of Seattle. A few years old now, but uh, Seattle PD is the gatekeeper for the ICAC, just like we are. Mm -hmm. So they get a cyber tip. They sit on it for a few months. They refer it out to another local agency, so just as just as we do here. Uh, that local agency sat on it for a while. Um, then uh, execute the search warrant, determine that a child was being sexually abused throughout the period of time that the cyber tip set and wasn't worked. So they cut a, you know, they cut checks for about $9 million. Wow. So, you know, if I if I'm to send a cyber tip to a sheriff's office and they don't properly work the case and the victim is later identified, they're liable. Mm. You know, I'm going to get named too in the lawsuit. And so that's why it's important. You know, I've done internal affairs investigations at Newberry and it always broke my heart when an officer did something wrong and I had to right. have somebody come make a complaint, especially when the officer was in the wrong. It, it was tough. I, I didn't like doing it. And it breaks my heart to have to call chiefs and sheriffs and captains of investigation and, and let them know that they have employees who are improperly working cases if they're not working them at all. And, but I'm having to do that. Um, and I joke about it and say, well, they don't make my house payment. And, you know, right. so I have to make yeah. that call, but it does, it, it, it does break my heart that potentially a bad guy is getting away with offending a victim's not getting identified. Um, and it's just not doing their job. Yeah. And, and I know everybody's busy. And, and, and so what I do is every, Around two months, I audit cybertips. and I see they're not being open. I write an email. I document the date, time. I call. I email, and then if it's problematic with particular, I have a problem, not employee, but a problem affiliate, then uh, I'll reach out to their supervisor. And I, again, I, I hate I hate doing it, but I, I'm liable for this. And I take yeah. it as a huge responsibility. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, you know as proponents of law enforcement and wanting to see good cops and and. Uh, Obviously, me going down to the legislature and having to tell the legislature that, that I work for a lot of really good people, it, it does hurt to come back and see that some aren't taking it as seriously as they need to. But it hurts even more uh, when those those victims of those folks are children and, and to know that they may have to endure one more day of, of uh, that abuse because of an officer not taking it seriously. That's, that's uh, sad, disheartening to think about. But... Um, so I know, uh, I guess y'all obviously watch the online tips. Uh, do y'all do the Dateline stuff too, like you like you would see taken down or to catch a predator type stuff on there? Or, or what else do y'all do with the ICAP? We do. Um, we don't take we don't take responsibility for it. So usually what happens is a sheriff's office, a police department comes to us and say, we want to host an under, undercover chat op. And with our standards, ICAP standards, we have to be behind that. Um, and also we have to have use people that are trained to do these type of investigations. We're not going to prosecute cases. You know, if you have a ran off through the board one night and goes on post an ad on Craigslist or does something and gets some guy to travel, we're not going to prosecute that case. 
because we don't know that you played by the rules. You know, you have to be very, it's a very nuanced thing to do these undercover chat investigations. So right. I say my lowest return on investment in training is undercover chat because it's not for everybody. I did it. I went to class. I arrested a few people. Um, last time I arrested was actually right down the road here on Piney Grove Road with the sheriff's office. Mm. It just was not for me. You you, you got to be committed to it because you're going to get pictures of men's penises at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's just a commit level you have to have to, to yeah. do these chats. They don't chat nine to five. Um, so if an agency comes to us and says, hey, we want to host one of these chat ops, we tell them we'll help you plan it. We'll run it. It's all but you get all the credit. Um, you know, we've been doing them now pretty frequently for the last two years. Um, they're taxing. You know, we start by saying you, you probably need to commit about ten thousand mm. dollars. We're trying to cut down on costs. And one of the reasons we're doing these undercover chat classes is to more regionalize our chatters. So you have to pay for all the hotel rooms and try to cut down some of the expenses. So we do try to help um, pay for hotel rooms for the chatters. We have to bring We have some really good chatters around the state. We have to bring them in. Gotcha. Um, and you as a sheriff, uh, as a listener today, you know, you have to have the MOU with that agency. You send your op deputy down to uh, wherever it may be. Um, maybe Goose Creek, let's say, for example, do one in Goose Creek. You send your deputy down for the week and mm -hmm. you, you have to commit to it. Yeah. And if you want to host your own, you know, it, it's expensive. You work an 18 hour days, you're spending a ton of hours on uh, surveillance and like I said, the hotel rooms, you got to feed everybody, give them water. It's, it's a commitment, but we, we love doing them because, you know, everybody that travels, travel to have sex with a minor. Wow. You know, we can go up and do a press release and say they're all presumed innocent and guilty. We vet those chats pretty well and they are innocent until proven guilty. But I know, I know that if they traveled and we arrest them at the house, they travel thinking they were going to have sex with a minor. There's no question about it. So we got a, a few minutes left in our podcast today, but I want to get you to touch on something real quick. I know um, you, you've talked about this can be a taxing job. It can take a toll on the individual. Tell me about the mental health and the importance of self-help and seeking help for those kind of uh, folks that are helping to do this task. Sure. I mean, there, there's some vicarious trauma associated with this. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, there's documented cases of people suffering from PTSD that had to repeatedly watch these, um, you know, children being sexually abused. I, I think about the people who do forensics all the time. They see it in the, you know, I see a couple of videos or pictures a day and our forensic right. people see it by the, in the millions, yeah. um, terabytes upon terabytes of data of, of children being sexually abused. But yeah, we, one of our partners is SC Lee. Um, I've been committed to getting us our own person attached to the task force. We've got a contract out. We're just waiting on our office to um, kind of pull the trigger on it and get somebody involved to do wellness visits for our task force. They'd, it'd be anonymous. We take care of the billing. Uh, if it goes through, uh, we're just not there yet. So I don't want to get too in depth, but I, it is a huge, a huge importance. Absolutely needed. Yeah. Um, there's an agency called Shift that also is a national organization that is very heavily partnered with ICAC. They've come to South Carolina and done some training for us too. And their focus is just mental health officers. You know, they were, they know that they're heroes and what they do, and uh, they want to make sure they're safe and sound and uh, lead good lives after doing this. Yeah, I'm, I've talked to uh, Sheriff Tolson up in York County, and I think they're starting a program to be able to get their folks and their internet crimes folks some assistance with mental health and just doing a regular check because, again, it, it can sneak up on you and get to you without you really realizing it. So we've talked a lot about internet crimes against children. Um, we, we did have the 40 hours in class that we had for sheriff school, but unfortunately we didn't have to have enough time to be able to dive into some of these topics. So I guess if we're kind of summarizing today's conversation and, and whether they're a new sheriff uh, or they're, they've been a sheriff for 30 years, 
what is the summary we want to take away today? What do you want the sheriffs to know in summary today? Yeah, I mean, that we're here to help you. Um, just financially, we're here to help with some things. But also, if, if you think you have a need for a full-time ICAC, I can pull data. I've offered sheriffs. I've met with sheriffs in person. I will come to your county council meeting. I will meet with your county managers. Who, whoever I need to meet with to help you get this done, I'm happy to do it. Um, we rely on a lot of our fields to enter stats. It's pretty evident they don't enter stats like they're supposed to. It's just one of the many things that goes along with being on the task force. And those, but I have numbers I can pull for you and let you know. Um, the biggest thing, I, the biggest takeaway is these are crimes that occur in your jurisdiction. So you, you can't pretend it's not going on or you can't take a break from it. You have to be committed to it. Um, and we're here to help you as much as we can. Um, I, I, I will drive, we'll, I'll, I'll drive every day this week if I, if I have to, to meet and help and make phone calls and emails, whatever it takes to get the message out and to get you people what you need that, you know, we're here for you. You know, we also, you know, we have our own prosecutors in our office, so they don't do shoplifting and burglaries on the side. It's all I can. We have education coordinators. She'll come to your schools, your, your civic organizations, uh, PTA, whatever you need her for, she's available for that on Zoom or in person. Um, and we have our own forensic section. So we're happy to help train and help you accomplish your goals. That's great. I, I appreciate you being here with us today, Kevin. I do, I do want to underscore the. I guess one of the first points you made is uh, it isn't as complicated as as it seems to be. You don't have to be an expert in internet or technology or any of those types of things. Uh, you do have resources to help the sheriff's offices to get these things taken care of. So, uh, again, these are uh, crimes that are happening in their jurisdictions. Uh, these are real children that are suffering from this. So. It's our goal to provide them with as much assistance and uh, hopefully stop that abuse as soon as we can. So, Kevin, again, I want to thank you for being here with us today. I can see your passion. I appreciate your passion. Hopefully we'll be able to get a lot more phone calls uh, and, and interest in the ICAC unit because of this podcast. But um, if you'd like more information about Internet Crimes Against Children, uh, please contact uh, Kevin at 803-381-3535. Again, 803 803- 3813535 or you can uh, email him you can netflix him on his google machine at k atkins k a t i that'd be great if i could spell k a t k i n s at s c a g dot gov again kevin thank you for being here today we uh really appreciate you being here thank you jerry for having me and thank you sheriff for listening Thank you for listening to this episode of Mutual Aid, a podcast produced by the South Carolina Sheriff's Association to help sheriffs better serve and protect South Carolina citizens. For more information on today's discussion or to discover more about the South Carolina Sheriff's Association, please visit our website at www.sheriffsc.com. We thank you for your continued support and hope you will join us next month for a new episode of Mutual Aid. Now, please stand by for a word from our sponsor. This is Alan Durham with United Badges Insurance Services. We are honored to support the South Carolina Sheriff's Association. United Badges Insurance Services is dedicated to serving the public safety community and offers a wide array of insurance products to public safety personnel, public safety organizations, and public safety partners. Learn more about how United Badges can serve you at unitedbadges.com.